From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. With the Herculean task of filling in for Bill Curtis, I'm one of the voices of NPR's credits, Chioki Ianson. And here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Chioki. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. We have a great show for you today. We really do. Saturday Night Live a star, A.D. Bryant, will be joining us later to play Not My Job. Uh, we are so excited to welcome Chokey Ianson back to the show. Bill Curtis is overseas this week. It's easy for him. He doesn't have to fly. He just goes to the beach, commands the sea to part, <laughs> and walks there. <laughs> All you have to do to get to us is pick up your phone, give us a call. The number is one wait wait that's one 924 8924 It's time to welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Madeline calling from Austin, Texas. Hey, how are things in Austin, one of my favorite places? They're great. Beautiful here. That's great. Now, South by Southwest is all done, right? Yes. Yeah, and <laughs> when that happens, when that takes over the city, do you, do you participate or do you just hide from it and hope, wait till it's over? I was able to participate because of class, but there was a lot of traffic. There was a lot of traffic. Well, welcome to the show, Madeline. Let me introduce you to our panel. First up, it's a writer for WGN's Man of the People and a comedian who'll be appearing at Storytellers on a Mission on March 30th with Tom Baudet at the Latches Theater in Brattleboro, Vermont. It's Adam Burke. Hello, Madeline. Thank you. Next, it's the host of Fake the Nation, an author of How to Make White People Laugh. You can read her column, Hemming and Hawing, in the Progressive Magazine. It's Nagin Farsad. <laughs> and finally, the host of the podcast, Mobituaries, and the Just Emmy-nominated host of Innovation Nation on CBS, it's Mo Rocca. Hi, Madeline. Hello. Well, welcome to the show, Madeline. You're going to play Who's Chioki this time. Chioki Ianson, filling in for Bill, is going to read you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? I am. All right, let's hear your first quote. I barely know him, but just take a look. A stone-cold loser and husband from hell. That was President Trump talking about a man named George Conway. He's not just another stone-cold loser. He's also married to whom? Uh, that would be Kellyanne Conway. Yes, Kellyanne Conway. George Conway, husband to senior presidential advisor Kellyanne Conway, is being so viciously attacked by President Trump, you'd think he was a recently deceased beloved American war hero. <laughs> or a rerun of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I know. <laughs> No funeral for George Conway. <laughs> so Donald Trump is getting between Kellyanne and George. George is going after Donald. Kellyanne is defending Donald. It's this wacky sitcom no one wanted to see. <laughs> it's like a combination of the West Wing, Married with Children, and To Catch a Predator. Is it like the Oscars to confer the husband from hell title? Do you need to be the current holder of that title? Exactly, yes. You have to do that. They, it's the tradition, they bring you back. It would be so stressful to have that couple over for dinner. Like, they'd come over dinner, and Kellyanne would be like, this meal is amazing. It's going to nourish a lot of people. And then George would be like, this meal has narcissistic personality disorder. It's terrible. So 
the reason this came about is George Conway, again, the husband of the president's senior advisor, has been highly critical of the president on Twitter, calling him, among other things, juvenile, boorish, unfit for office, incompetent, and mentally unstable, but it's his wife's boss. And so hard to understand. It's possible it's just PR, right? You know, they're all just doing this for show. As if at the beginning of his presidency, Donald Trump said to Kellyanne, I need for Melania and I not to be the most unbelievable marriage in the country. What can you do? I think it probably, I think this conflict maybe keeps, I don't know, the romance alive. You think so? Maybe that's part of it. Oh, she, gets, she goes home, yeah, baby, subtweet at the president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go through that DSM. But uh, can I just say if like, so it, it, your theory is that they're hate every night? I yeah. Think so. yeah. Like, gross. Right. Yeah. yeah, but some, sometimes they mix it up and they talk about presidents that she hates. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, the only problem is that it does get kind of rough. They never, though, should have chosen for their safe word the phrase no collusion, because that means yeah. they haven't gotten anywhere in years. Madeline, here is your next quote. We apologize for the inconvenience. Now, that was a statement from the antique social media company, MySpace. They were sorry for the inconvenience they caused their former users when they misplaced what? I was like, everyone's music. Yes. Everything, basically. <laughs> Welcome to MySpace, now with even more space. <laughs> <laughs> Older listeners may remember MySpace as sort of an early version of Facebook without any users or the destruction of Western democracy. <laughs> Back in the day, a lot of people uploaded all kinds of content to their MySpace pages, including music and writing and photos, and it's all gone. MySpace says it was lost as they were trying to transfer it to a new computer and a cat pulled out a plug. <laughs> or MySpace was just tidying up and None of your lives between 2003 and 2012 sparked joy. <laughs> <laughs> that is the thing. There hasn't been a massive outcry about this. Yeah, it's right. Most people are like, well, that's okay. I don't have like 400 pieces of sublime fan art that I made. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a cry for help. Like MySpace is like, does anyone still care about us? You know, we're going to throw ourselves into the ocean. And people are like, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what, what years then? I believe 2000, they lost everything between 2003 and 2012. So what is that, like Stone Temple Pilots? What are the, what are the No, it was like, pe I mean, people were like doing like <laughs> no, emo music or whatever they oh, were doing right. at the time. And they were I all putting in MySpace page. I think there's a photo of me wearing cargo pants. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, it's lost forever. Yeah, no, nobody's Mo, upset. Yeah. Mo, Mo, put it this way. There's reams and reams of Linkin Park fan fiction that have just been <laughs> lost good. to the it's ether. lost forever. <laughs> Madeline. Now, your last quote is uh, about a new trend in fashion. It's a quote from the New York Post talking about the supermodels Bella and Gigi Hadid. The gals know how to coordinate their outfits to their new brainy accessories. All right, what have the Hadid sisters made into the new must-have fashion accessory just by being Ooh. photographed carrying one? Oh, is it books? Yes, it is books. <laughs> Very good, Madeline. Nice. You only really used, follow dumb news. That's good. <laughs> Once only used by models to snort coke out of when there was no album. <laughs> books are instantly a hot accessory because of the Hadids. The world's top supermodels have been spotted carrying books, going so far as to coordinate them with their hoot, 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 couture <laughs> outfits. Hoot couture outfits are worn by owls. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. 
Gigi Hadid was spotted carrying Camus' book The Stranger, while Bella was spotted with the Stephen King novel. Nothing makes you look skinnier than posing with a 900-page copy of The Stand. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's a vintage accessory. You have to explain what it is yes. first. It's like Instagram, but just the comments. <laughs> <laughs> that we all assume that they're not just the covers of books where the inside is, they keep they, their lip gloss and, and their drugs. cocaine, yeah, presumably. Yeah, no, like, I don't actually believe that they're reading. <laughs> the great thing, no. though, <laughs> you know, when you think about it, though, the, the, the classic facial expression of a model, which is totally blank of any human emotion, is the kind of expression people have when they're reading books. You mean right? re resting reading face? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> books are great when you're a supermodel, of course, because... You're actually so skinny you can use yourself as a bookmark. <laughs> now, uh, now, Peter, will yes. you... Uh, I'm guessing none of these books were cookbooks. <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> Peter, when you read uh, Moby Dick, do you read it to the left or to the right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is the fact that supermodels are now Reading books is great news for NPR listeners because you all now have one thing in common with supermodels. Chioki, <laughs> <laughs> how did Madeline do in our quiz? Madeline doesn't just pose with her books. <laughs> <laughs> she got three correct, making her a winner. Congratulations, Madeline. Thank you so Bye-bye. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Mo, Congressman Devin Nunes has filed a $250 million lawsuit against Twitter and against one account in particular for defaming him. The tweets are supposedly coming from his what? Cow? Yes! <laughs> Devin Nunes's cow is a Twitter account that drew the congressman's wrath with tweets like, Devin is utterly worthless. <laughs> Devin is way, W-H-E-Y, <laughs> over his head in crime. He may be moved to prison. <laughs> and because of this lawsuit, this account, which had a couple of hundred followers, now has more than Devin Nunes himself. <laughs> it has over 600,000 followers. It's a social media star. It's kind of a Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Could Devin Nunes' cow run for Congress now? It's possible, I guess. What's amazing is nobody knew about these obscure Twitter accounts that were dragging Devin Nunes until he filed a sitting <laughs> congressman a lawsuit for $250 million that lists all these fantastic insults. We got all of those from the lawsuit. Who knew? I mean, he's shown us how badly he's been teased. He's like a kid who's bullied in junior high school, sort of saying, yeah, and then they shove me in the locker like this, and he climbs in, and then they <laughs> slam the door like this, and he slams the door. Uh, at what point did he suspect this wasn't a real cow? <laughs> That's a good question. Did he even know? And also, isn't this the literal uh, definition of a Twitter beef? Coming up, our panelists are busting brackets at a bombastic Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR.
Support for NPR and the following message comes from ServiceNow, making the world of work work better for people. Their cloud-based platform and solutions deliver digital workflows that create great experiences for employees and unlock productivity for your whole company. ServiceNow digitizes the work your people have to do so they can do the work they want to do. Using technology to make people more productive and engaged. More at servicenow.com. I'm Bob Boylan, host of NPR's All Songs Considered and creator of the Tiny Desk series. I have a message for unsigned musicians all across America. Enter the 2019 Tiny Desk Contest for a chance to play your very own Tiny Desk concert. It'll change your life. So no matter what kind of music you make, we want to hear from you. Find out more at npr.org slash contest. You have until Sunday, April 14th. Better hurry. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm one of the voices of NPR's credits and the voice of your NPR fantasies, Chioki Ianson, <laughs> filling in for Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Mo Rocca, Nadine Farsad, and Adam Burke. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Chioki. Right now... It's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Kristen. I'm calling from Wilbraham, Massachusetts. Wilbraham, Massachusetts. I've traveled Massachusetts back and forth, but I've never been to Wilbraham. Where's that? It's in the western part of the state. Tell me Kristen. what you do there in, in Wilbraham. Uh, right now, I don't do a lot, um, but I, I just moved back from Texas where I was a Democratic campaign staffer. You were? How did you find the experience of working for a Democrat in Texas? I, I think people have this impression that Texas is a lot of just cowboys, and uh, the voters were great, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. I think the only people who want us to believe that Texas is filled with cowboys are Texans. Yes. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Kristen. You are here to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Jokey, what is Kristen's topic? I'm mad, I tell you. March Madness mad. It is time for March Madness, when everybody pretends to care about college basketball <laughs> so they can watch TV at work. <laughs> but our panelists are going to tell you about another competition that caught our attention this month. Pick the one who's telling the truth and you'll win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. You ready to play? Yes. First up, let's hear from Adam Burke. It's that time of year again when the nation's make-believe sports moguls roll up their sleeves, dust off their special drafting laptops, and pick their fantasy football and baseball teams. They'll come up with a hilarious name, pour over stats and blogs, and they'll definitely corner you in the break room to tell you all about it, regardless of your level of interest. But fear not, TDM fans, there now exists an even duller version of your co-worker's favorite hobby. That's right. Fantasy bird watching is finally a thing. <laughs> and you're thinking, cool, is that where I get to see a hippogriff mate with a phoenix? Not even remotely. <laughs> the brainchild of vicarious ornithologist and all-round uber geek Matt Smith, fantasy bird watching involves picking a spot in America frequented by real-life bird watchers and then scoring points every time the actual avian enthusiast reports seeing a rare or common species to an online database. I know, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> sure, you can go bungee jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge or fly a wingsuit through the Grand Tetons, but for sheer white-knuckle excitement, nothing beats the adrenaline-pounding thrill of scoring eight points every time some birder in the field spots a red-breasted nuthatch, blue-footed booby, or a hope of hopes, a San Clemente loggerhead shrike. Because it's March, baby, and are you ready for some bird watching? <laughs> Fantasy bird watching from Adam Burke. Your next story of a game we're gaga for comes from Nagin Farsad. Referees are never the bell of the ball. ESPN doesn't include a guy in stripes blowing a whistle on the highlight reel. But refs are sick and tired of it. If they wanted to work incredibly hard for low pay and only get noticed when they screw up, they would have been women. So... <laughs> So a group of referees from across the sports landscape have launched their own games where they can finally shine. This is competitive refereeing where a referee's ability to judge a competition is in itself judged as a competition. <laughs> Challenges include being timed on timing and flag throwing precision. Agility skills are tested for how fast they can get out of the way of a play. <laughs> After a questionable game deciding call, they're tested on their composure while reading through a Twitter feed where the entire globe hates them. <laughs> After winning the coveted golden whistle, NFL ref Jeff Triplett, having watched touchdown dances for years, did his own jig, which could best be described as a white man twerking. A competition for referees themselves to compete in. Your last story of a new competition comes from Mo Rocca. Call it March Sister Madness. 64 teams of four women, each team representing the four March sisters in the novel Little Women, square off. It's an event that combines the high stakes of NCAA basketball with the exploding popularity of Louisa May Alcott cosplay. Each player has a clear role. The Joe is the team captain and power forward. She basically does everything on the court. The Meg plays for the first half, then meets a guy, gets married, and spends the second half watching with him and their children from the stands. The Amy doesn't pay any attention to the game or help the other players. She just cheers for herself the whole time. No one really likes her. The wild card for each team is the Beth. She lies surrounded by her dolls and kittens on a stretcher courtside, offering words of comfort to fans of the losing team and sewing things for poor children and then she dies. <laughs> Whichever team's Beth garners more sympathy invariably advances to the next bracket. The March sisters of Purdue are top seeded this year, said their team's Joe, we're feeling good. This whole campus has got scarlet fever. <laughs> So here are your choices, Kristen. You've got from Adam Burke, Fantasy Birding, in which people don't actually go outside, but just sort of score points for where birds are found by other people. From Nagin Farsad, a competition finally for referees to compete themselves. Or from Moraka, March Sister Madness, <laughs> about which I can say no more. Wow. <laughs> um... I'll go with A. You're going to go with A. Adam's story. Well, we spoke to someone involved in the real story to bring you the true answer. Fantasy birding lets you birdwatch from your computers. You can still see as many as you 
as much as you can without actually having to travel across the world. That was Ryan Mandelbaum. He's a fantasy birder and science writer at Gizmodo. Congratulations, Kristen. You got it right. Adam was telling the truth in his own particular way. You've earned a point for him. You've won our prize, the voice of anyone you might choose in your voicemail. Thank you so much for playing. Thank you so much. Take care. And now the game where people go a long way just to come home and triumph and secretly count the seconds until they can go away again. It's called Not My Job. Like a lot of stars of comedy, A.D. Bryant got her start doing sketch comedy in Chicago at Second City and I.O. and many other places. Then she went off to New York and Saturday Night Live, where she's been in the cast for the last seven seasons. And now she stars in her own TV show, Shrill, on Hulu. It is a pleasure to welcome A.D. Bryant back home to Chicago and to wait, wait, don't tell me. Uh, A.D. Bryant. So I'm, I, I, is it true to say, like a lot of very funny people, you've always been funny? You were like class clown, a, a, a young comedian? I mean, I, I was always trying to be funny, that's yeah, for we, sure. That's all of yeah. us, I think, yeah. yeah. You, were, you were doing comedy like as an improv in, in, when you were growing up in Phoenix, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did teen improv, which you know oh, you want to see. <laughs> oh, God. Um, can I ask, what was the name of your improv group in Phoenix? Oh my, I've been in so many dumb improv teams, I can't even, Drop in Science, Hunter Family Crest, Virgin Daiquiri, what else? <laughs> Keep <I> going. <laughs> okay, Baby Wants Candy. Yeah. I, I mean, I used, to, I used to sit in with Carl and the Passions sometimes. I mean, I, I've, I've done my time. Yeah. <laughs> Did you come to Chicago specifically to do sketch comedy? Yeah, yeah. I knew about Second City and I.O. and I wanted to get involved. Yeah. So. And you did, which uh, is kind of amazing. Yeah. Right. I mean, because a lot of people come to Chicago to try to make it and it's on the on the main stage of Second City and they never do. And you did. Oh, my goodness. Is this my birthday? It, what is happening? <laughs> It's like, it's like, welcome to the show we're calling. Wait, wait, you're actually all right. I need this. Can, you're well, fine. I have, to, I have to say that when I checked into my hotel room oh. today, you were right there. Yeah. Well, that's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> On the cover of Michigan Avenue magazine. Oh. Well, I always wait for men in their hotel rooms. <laughs> I think that's cool in a Me Too era, you know. <laughs> Well, what was it? Because, I mean, a lot of times we hear about the people who came out of Chicago uh, and go to Saturday Night Live and elsewhere, but, but what was it like when you were just, like, you know, working the streets as a, as a comedy? Working the streets? Come on. Wow. She's in hotel rooms now. She's working Lord. the streets. I know. She wasn't busking as an emperor. She wasn't yeah. walking down and going, hey, can I get a suggestion? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just standing in the corner of Michigan and Randolph going, somebody name an occupation. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so you went off to New York like a lot of Chicago comedians do, and you auditioned for Saturday Night Live Ditto, but you got cast, which is rarer. People talk about the Saturday Night Live audition, that you have to come in with a character. Yeah. Did you do that? I did, yeah. They told us, you know, five minutes, a couple original characters, a couple impressions, so that's kind of what I did. Yeah, and can you tell us what you did? I did Adele, and I did Ethel Merman, which was very topical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, that, that, um, I'm not going to ask you to do it, but what did you do for your Ethel Merman? Um, I said, this is Ethel Merman on the TV show My Dog Ate What? <laughs> and then 
uh, I sort of screamed in an Ethel Merman voice, like, my dog ate what? <laughs> and that was what got me to Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that, that gives me so much more, even more respect for the show. I love that. I understand you, I understand you recently got married. I did, That's yeah. very exciting. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I hope you didn't make the mistake of marrying another comedian. Yeah, I did. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that work out, though? It's going real bad. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> did, 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 did he propose any funny way? Um, I, I mean, kind of, in that, like, he proposed in our home, which I had sort of said, like, I want that. You know, I want to keep it private and in oh, had house. you planned it? Did you say if and when no, you No, I kind of was just like, you know, more like we would see people like get proposed to on a, on a Jumbotron. Jumbotron. Bad, and I would bad, be like, I bad. can't handle that FYI. Yeah. Make a note here. <laughs> yeah. No. And so I kind of came home from work and opened the door and then just like a true bat out of hell, like from the back of our bedroom, he came around and was like, will you marry me? Whoa. And I was like, whoa, baby. Really? Yeah, but it, w- it he was... He just rushed you? Did yeah. He think, wow. Did he think like if it was a surprise and you were flustered, you wouldn't say no? No, I think he knew that he had a very short time between me entering the door and walking even 10 steps before my bra and anything would come off. And he wanted to catch me fully dressed and dignified. Well, I think that's, that's very thoughtful. That is thoughtful. Yeah, it's actually sweet. Yeah. yeah. It's, to me, the most romantic thing in the world. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm so glad for everything that's happening for you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, A.D. Bryant, we're delighted to have you here, but we have asked you here today to play a game that this time we are calling... A.D. Bryant, meet the 80s Bryans. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You're too young to remember, but way back when we had a decade called the 80s. And it was filled with wondrous and amazing people, all of whom were named Brian. We're going to ask you three questions about 80s Brian's. Get two right, you won our prize for one of our listeners. Okay. Wait, can I ask one thing beforehand? Yes, please. Not to put you on the spot, but could you give at least one of the answers in the Apple Merman voice? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Don't tell us you're going to do it. Don't tell us. Be like like your husband. Like, just come right out. Uh, Let's do it. (laughs) I love that. Jokey, who is A.D. Bryant playing for? Dan Martin of Boston, Massachusetts. All right. This is for him. First question, composer and producer Brian Eno produced some of the biggest hits of the 1980s. Which of these was among his most popular works? A, the main title theme for Police Academy 8, Bribe Me With a Spoon. <laughs> B, the startup sound for Windows 95. Oh, wow. The, or the music and lyrics for a Hoover vacuum jingle. I mean, this is bad. <laughs> oh, yes, it's terrible. C? You're going to go for the Hoover vacuum jingle? I guess. <laughs> I don't... That don't can't be right. Really? It can't be... I can't oh. imagine that could be the idea. Well, okay, I, guess what? B! <laughs> yes! yes. <laughs> You're right. Ethel is right. You're right. Okay. You're all right. I can't yes, believe I had to paid, bring out he, the Ethel Merman that quick. I know. <laughs> it was. He, he, Brian, you know, was paid $30,000 to write the sound that the Windows 95 started when you turned it on. Brilliant. There you are. All right, next question. Brian De Palma 
director of the 1983 film Scarface, was forced by the MPAA to make several cuts to get the film down from an X rating to get an R rating. After doing so, what did he do? A, a giant mound of cocaine. <laughs> B, he put the deleted scenes back in because he figured no one would notice. Or C, he sang the vocals in a Hoover vacuum jingle. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm realizing I don't like games. <laughs> you know, I, that's what it's, I just, I, I, I'd rather just read a book. I don't know. Okay, A, I'm going to say it because I think say. it's the most fun. He did the giant mind of cook. No, I'm afraid it was actually B. He just put all the cutscenes <sighs> back in the of movie. Of course. <sighs> yeah, so. I'm, f- I'm failing our friend in Boston. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. Because if you get this last one but right. But you got it wrong because she didn't use the Ethel Merman. I know. <laughs> just saying. That may be a lesson. Okay. All right. Last question. If you get this right, you win. The last question is about Brian Johnson. He was the lead singer of ACDC, one of the great bands of the 1980s. On the same day he auditioned to be the lead singer of ACDC on a day in 1980, just a few hours earlier, what was he doing? A, he was doing AC repair at DC Comics. (laughs) B, he was doing dirty deeds and he was doing them dirt cheap. Or C, he was singing the vocals in a Hoover vacuum jingle. I mean, if it's not C, I gotta be blasted to the moon. <laughs> so you're gonna go with C? Yeah. Does Ethel agree? Yeah. <laughs> then yes, it was in fact C. Oh, yes! Yes! Thank God. Literally the day he successfully auditioned to be the lead singer of ACDC, Brian Johnson uh, went to a commercial studio and he recorded this jingle for Hoover Vacuums. Right to the edge, changing a bag as easy as ABC. When you hop on, we'll come back from Hoover. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> amazing. I know. Who legit liked that as a song? I did too. That sounds like something you would do on a Saturday Night Live audition. (laughs) And here's the lead singer from ACDC doing a vacuum commercial. Absolutely. Yeah. Jokey, how did Eddie Bryant do in our quiz? Eddie is very funny, and she got two out of three right, making her a winner. It's all Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Eddie Bryant is the star of Shrill on Hulu. You can also see her on Saturday Night Live. Eddie Bryant, thank you so much for being with us. What a pleasure to meet you. Eddie Bryant, everybody. In just a minute, Chioke shows us his fancy new pants in the Listener Limerick Challenge. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait Wait Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Nature's Way, maker of herbal supplements from ashwagandha to turmeric. Nature's Way believes nature knows best. This is why, since 1969, they have sought out the best herbs the earth has to give, and why they travel the world to the places where herbs grow best to ensure they always deliver the purest botanicals possible. Find out more today at naturesway.com. The world is complicated, and for many of us, history class was a long time ago. That's where we come in. I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah. I'm Ramtin Arablouei. 
And we're the hosts of Throughline, NPR's new history podcast. Every week, we'll dig into forgotten stories from the moments that shaped our world. Throughline, history like you've never heard it before. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Filling in for Bill Curtis, I'm the man whose voice makes the Joyce Foundation sound so good, Chioki Ayatsu. <laughs> We're playing this week with Mo Rocca, Nagin Farsad, and Adam Burke. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Chioki. In just a minute, Chioki will tell us where Sup Poet for NPR comes from. It's our listener limerick challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's one 8924 Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Nagin, a new study shows that it is exactly at age 33 that people begin doing what? At age 33? Yeah, but it's always well known that people tend to do this, but now we know uh, it starts at age 33. Yeah. It's weird because that's also the date Jesus, the right. year Jesus Isn't that died weird? or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Coincidence, I think. At 33, people start like really trying to identify their life goals. <laughs> <laughs> to the scorn of NPR listeners. I know. Yeah. 33. <laughs> Come on now. Slacker. <laughs> People are like, I've been able to rent cars for eight years. It's been great. And they celebrate that? No. <laughs> Nagin, as I happen to know, you just had your first child. Oh, yeah. Right. So according to the same theory, this is going to start to happen to you very soon. Um, your, like, your uterus swells up. <laughs> um, I, get, I, don't, I don't know. It, they... All right. When you have a, when you have a kid... What are you? A parent. Right. And so therefore, what do you start maybe to turn into? Your own parent. Exactly so, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Now we know exactly when it happens, when you turn 33 or thereabouts, which is why at your 33rd birthday party, you said to yourself, wow, by this age, my cousin was a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't scientists also say this week that you're not an adult until you're 30? So that means you got three the years to be your own person. And then you're done. <laughs> of course, um, if you, for example, turn into your mother, right? Well, she turned into her mother, and her mother turned into her mother. So basically, everybody ends up being exactly like our very first human ancestor, <laughs> who scientists define as the first ape in primordial Africa ever to stop doing what it was doing and say to itself, oh my God, I'm turning into my mother. <laughs> 33 is, of course, as you said, the age that Jesus was when he was crucified. He didn't quite turn into his dad, but he did decide to go live with him. <laughs> God's like, I knew you'd be back. I know. <laughs> I told you this preaching thing wasn't sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> Nagin, the... The presence of men can have a negative impact on women in the workplace. Don't need to tell you that. Mm. But a new study shows that women may have a lower income in their lifetimes if they spend an extended period of time with a male in what very specific location? Oh, um, I, I think I actually in a swollen uterus. You're exactly right, <laughs> Nadine. What a coincidence that should keep coming up. 
Yes, what we mean is that women who had a male fraternal twin, i.e., they, they were ah. gestated together, tend to have lower career incomes than those female twins who had a female twin. Why? Well, this for, it seems to have to do with the amount of testosterone in the birth environment. Oh, Mo, men will just suck the life right out of you. <laughs> so I'm confused. It's, it so starts very early because, you know, mom's having a sonogram and she hears the heartbeat and all of a sudden another heartbeat interrupts and says, actually, it's thump, 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 thump. <laughs> can never share the amniotic fluid. Well, yeah, <laughs> and he's like, he's like baby-splaining that the umbilical cord is really a way for them <laughs> to get the internet in there. <laughs> Mo, Andrew Yang is yet another Democrat running for president. You've probably never heard of him, but he started making headlines this week when he staked his claim as the only candidate to come out firmly and strongly against what? Mm, wow. Well, I, I don't know if this is going to help him make the cut, but he's against circumcision. That's right, Mo. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, this is cutting-edge comedy. Yes. Uh, as you all know, health care is uh, going to once again be a top issue in 2020. So there's one candidate out there who's letting you know that if you like your foreskin, you can keep it. <laughs> Andrew Yang, who is an entrepreneur uh, and otherwise seemingly unqualified person who wants to be president, he came out this week and said circumcision is not necessary. So while we don't yet know Yang's policy and the budget overall, we do know there are some cuts he simply won't make. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because Mo is short for Moyle. Yes. <laughs> I feel a little... I'm about to say, this guy is going to wither in the face of the Moyle lobby. <laughs> the other thing he wants to do, by the way, is he's considering commissioning a full-on life-size holograph of himself so that he can be in two places at once in the campaign trail. Really? Fact, yeah, that's well, one okay. of his ideas. Is the hologram going to be circumcised? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. wait wait That's one 888 or click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago and our upcoming show in St. Louis on May 9th. And why not try our new interactive quiz for your smart speaker? It's updated every Wednesday. Just say, open the Wait Wait quiz, and you can win a chance to get the voice of your choice on your voicemail. Just shout out the answers like you normally do, but don't be frightened when this time we talk back. Hi, you're on Wait Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hello. My name is Autumn O'Toole from Huntington, West Virginia. Well, how are things in Huntington, West Virginia, Autumn? Oh, they're good. And what do you do there? I am a person that finds kids foster homes. Oh, you do? Well, yes. that's an important thing to be doing. Welcome to the show, Autumn. Chokey Ianson, right here, is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a winner. You ready to play? Yep. Here is your first limerick. Though hotel guests say grody and nope, on hand-washing day, we give hope. We take slightly used bars, remove hairs, burnish scars, and voila, we're recycling old... Soap. Yes, soap! Hilton announced this week that their new eco-friendly business practice, recycling soap. Here's how it works. They collect all the partially used soaps from their hotel rooms. Then bars of soap are made out of these previous guest privates. I mean soap. 
So, and I should mention, the new soap is sanitized before it's formed into new bars. Unfortunately, they clean it by rubbing it with another used bar of soap. <laughs> Hilton hopes to produce one million bars of recycled soap by October 15th, which is Global Handwashing Day. <laughs> Anybody else worry we're just setting aside one day a year to wash our hands? Let's, let's go back to the good old days when soap was made out of the guts of a whale. There you go. <laughs> Here is your next limerick. Though space flight is meant to inspire us, one side effects less than desirous. Low gravity scares up, a herpes to flare up, because space flight will wake up a virus. Yes, exactly right, a virus. Astronauts are reporting weird and surprising flare-ups of herpes in space. That's right, space herpes. <laughs> so we finally understand the red spot on Jupiter. Apparently... Uh, and those rings. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Apparently, there's something about space travel that causes dormant viruses to resurge, right? So all of a sudden, astronauts reporting outbreaks. You got to feel for Houston. They're getting calls from astronauts like, Houston, uh, I have a problem. And <laughs> you might want to get checked out too. <laughs> God, I, I hope we don't end up recycling their soap. Yeah. <laughs> Space hotels are disgusting. That's absolutely true. <laughs> Here is your last limerick. I don't know which way high fashion leans. For my pants legs, I'll choose in-betweens. Get them skinny or wide. Oh, I just can't decide. So I'll get me some lopsided... Jeans. Yes, jeans, very good. The new hot thing in jeans, asymmetry. One leg is really tight, the other is loose and flowing. It's like one leg belongs to a skinny hipster, the other leg belongs to Barack Obama. They're perfect for anyone whose left leg has just been stung by a swarm of bees, or for anyone who has some serious shoplifting plans. In any event, the designer says this is definitely an artistic choice and not the result of a massive manufacturing error at the factory. <laughs> Chioki, how did Autumn do in our quiz? She got them all right, a perfect score. Congratulations, Autumn. Well done. Thank you so much for playing. Thank you. Bye-bye. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. With the new Capital One Saver card, you can earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. That means 4% on checking out that new restaurant everybody's talking about, and 4% on watching your team win at home. Now when you go out, you cash in. You'll also earn 2% cash back at grocery stores and 1% on all other purchases. What's in your wallet? Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Choki, can you give us the scores? Mo and Adam are tied with three. Nagin has two. All right. Nagin, you're in third place. You're going to be up first. The clock will start when I begin your first question. Fill-in-the-blank. On Thursday, Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of Blank, announced a ban in that country of semi-automatic weapons. New Zealand. Right. On Tuesday, President Trump announced plans to nominate a former Delta pilot to lead the blank. Federal Aviation 
uh, department. Administration. Administration. I'll give it to you. This week, the Fed said. (laughs) This week, the Fed said that no blank hikes were planned for the remainder of 2019. Interest rates. Right. On Thursday, search giant Blank unveiled Stadia, their new gaming system. Uh, Google? Yes. This week, police in China have apologized for using a suspect's blank on a wanted poster. Fingerprint? His elementary school photo. This week, Robert (laughs) Kraft. The owner of the blanks filed a motion to stop the release of illicit videos taken at a spa. New England Patriots. Yes. A woman shocked her friends when she sent out an invitation for her wedding, despite the fact that her boyfriend blanked. Sang in a falsetto N- voice. No, did she sent out the invitations to the wedding, despite the fact that her boyfriend had not yet proposed. <laughs> the woman says she took an online quiz that suggested she might get married this year, so she ran with it and sent out wedding invites to her close friends and family. The bride-to-be's to be's guests say they're excited for the I do's, which in this case are short for I do not have a fiance. <laughs> All right, Chioki, how did Nagin do in our quiz? Nagin got five right for 10 more points. She now has 12 points and the lead. All right, very good, Nagin. <laughs> we have flipped a coin and Mo has elected to go next. So here we go, Mo, fill in the blank. On Wednesday, President Trump said that he supported the public release of the blank. Mueller report. Yes, on Tuesday, the Wall Street Journal reported that Blank was telling supporters he was planning to run in 2020. Uh, I guess that's probably Joe Biden. It was. This week, Theresa May asked the EU for a three-month delay on Blank. Brexit. Yes, on Tuesday, President Trump met with Jair Bolsonaro, the new president of Blank. Brazil. Yes, because of her cat cries to go out and won't ever leave, the French foreign minister says she has named her cat Blank. Brexit. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Wednesday... Mark the start of the 2019 Blank Tournament. Oh, the NCAA Tournament. Yes. A bookstore in London has asked for the public's help finding a man who left Blank behind after shopping there. I'm going to say his children. No. He left a jar full of bees. (laughs) (laughs) This week, the London Review Bookshop tweeted, quote, If you are the friendly gent who was here half an hour ago and left a big jar of bees, please come back and reclaim your bees. Sadly, the employees didn't think the tweet will help, especially considering the guy was at the store to return a book called How to Get Rid of a Jar of Bees. <laughs> Jokey, how did Mo do in our quiz this week? Mo got six right for 12 more points, a total of 15, and now Mo is in the lead. All right, here's the tough question. How many, then, does Adam Burke need to win? Six to tie, seven to win. There we go, Adam. This is for the game. Fill in the blank. Following attacks from President Trump, lawmakers from both parties rushed to praise the late Senator Blank. Uh, John McCain. Right. On Wednesday, Disney completed their $71 billion acquisition of Blank. Uh, Fox. Right. This week, documents showed that the investigation into former Trump lawyer Blank began in 2017. Michael Cohen. Yes. On Tuesday, Mike Pence visited communities in the Midwest affected by massive Blanks. Um, The floods. Right. A man in Michigan is on the mend after accidentally Blanking. Finding a jar of bees. No, (laughs) actually... He's, in, he's on the mend after accidentally shooting himself in the foot when he tried to kill a cockroach by throwing a gun at it. <laughs> on Monday, investigators said they found clear similarities between two crashes of 737 MAX 8 planes made by blank. Boeing. Right, for the second year in a row. Finland was named the world's blankest country. Happiest. Right, a woman's visit to her parents' grave took an unexpected turn when she got there and blanked. Uh... 
they jumped out from behind the tombstone and went, surprise! No, she was standing there trying to pay respects to her parents when she started sinking hip deep into the ground. Now, we know this sounds horrifying, but don't worry, it's actually so much worse. So she's laying a wreath on the tombstone when a sinkhole opened up beneath her, sucking her into the ground. She fell forward and hit her head on the tombstone, breaking a tooth. Then she kept sinking and had to hold on to her parents' tombstone to keep from going all the way under. As the New York Post reports, she cried out for help, but no one in the graveyard could hear her screams. <laughs> Chokey, did Adam do well enough to win? It sounded like he did well. Adam got six right for 12 more points, with a total of 15, tying with Mo, and so together, they are this week's champions. Congratulations, Mo. Congratulations, Adam. And congratulations, Nadine. What the hell? In just a minute, we'll ask the panel to predict after the MySpace data loss what will be the next social media scandal. But first, let me tell you, special thanks to Farmhouse Tavern for feeding us. I very much enjoyed the mushrooms. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Gotika writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran and Mary D'Olio. Our interns are Alex McOwen and Rachel Klepper. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Litterman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Peter Gwynn is our co-pilot. Technical directions from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog and the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mr. Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what will be the next social media scandal? Adam Burke. Uh, a glitch will cause Instagram to turn off every filter on every picture, causing an entire generation to stare directly into the unvarnished face of reality. The sound of their screams will be deafening. <laughs> Sounds bad. Nadine Farsad. Uh, because of a malfunction, twi- uh, Tinder accidentally mixes up swiping right for swiping left, leaving a bunch of people to date who are actually good for one another. Oh, <laughs> and Moraka. It will be revealed that Friendster, the once mighty social network, is a communications tool for Quaker gangsters. <laughs> And if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, G.O.K. Anson. Thanks also to Adam Burke, Nadine Farsad, and Mo Rocca. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Peter Sagal. We'll be back with you next week. This is NPR.